0: Hello, welcome back to the Be Unbound podcast. This is Abe Chen with my co host David Rethemeyer. Today is an episode of Unbound Talks. We gather with the Unbound staff to sit down and talk about many of the important current issues that are going around in the education world and really, again, with Unbound, the world at large. Uh, the professional real (laughs) life world, if you will. So we are very much talking about the real life world today. David, talk to us about what uh, today's topic is.
1: Yeah, so if you're familiar at all with Unbound, you know that we offer primarily online programs that you can do from pretty much anywhere. And that's great, but what a lot of online education programs miss is the importance of your local community. And that's something that, despite offering uh, long-distance programs, we here at Unbound think is vitally vitally important to you, just no matter where you are in life, but especially as a young adult, not only is it important for you to be involved in your local community, uh, just uh, for your own development, but also for uh just the sake of your community and those around you as well so we're going to be talking about uh why local community is important uh how that has changed over the last few years and some practical ways that you as a young adult can get involved in your local community and uh, create some meaningful change
0: well speaking of involvement and making change let's dive in let's let the staff speak for themselves enjoy the episode
1: all right. Well, I am excited for another conversation with the three of you, this time on a topic that uh, I know that I find to be uh, one of the most important in my life, and that is local community and the importance of local community. So, uh, Jonathan, if you can kick us off with uh, a little bit of your thoughts of why local community is so important
2: today. Yeah, thanks, David. Uh, in fact, we just got to experience a little local community with you a couple weeks ago. Uh, David actually lives a different place than I do, and uh, we were all in the same general locale, and we were able to check out a local restaurant not that long ago. With uh, Victoria was there as well, and so had a fun time doing that. And that's actually kind of a, a good illustration of the fact that uh, David and I are friends. We're colleagues. We like to work together. We get a lot of stuff done. Um, but there's just something about seeing each other that enhances that relationship in a way that no matter what technology we have, uh, can't really compensate for. And I, I don't know how to exactly put all that into words, but there is something about local community in the sense of people who are in your location, who experience the same things you experience in terms of weather, in terms of location, in terms of, you know, the places around and the identity of the local area that really makes a big difference. And that ultimately gives people a grounding that I think is, is, created and built into us in the way we're made uh, in a way that's very, very deeply important Uh, to the point that when we lose that, we have some real dislocation problems. And I would even go so far as to say that when we look at a lot of the ills that face our society and a lot of the cultural challenges we have, a lot of that comes from some central identity problems. And at least one aspect of that is that for the most part, people have a hard time connecting to and feeling like they're rooted in a physical location because of technology and because of the mobility of our society which are many ways good things and certainly things that we use and celebrate and the kind of work that we do um, and we're glad for it uh, but but those things have you know maybe overcompensated or at least taken more ground than we maybe necessarily thought they would And the result has been people kind of dislocated from a place, which means a significant loss of identity, which means a loss of context, which means people have a hard time figuring out who they are. And uh, for that reason, I think that local community has, uh, so lots of things to offer. I think it solves a lot of problems that that come from uh, some of the cultural problems we have today, but also think that there's a huge upside just in terms of quality of life. Uh, It's a lot of fun to know your neighbors. And uh, I've, Sad that a lot of people don't have that ability.
1: Jace, Victoria, do either of you have uh, any additional thoughts on why local community is important?
3: The only thing I'd add here, David, um, to what Jonathan has said is that uh, community and communication both kind of share a little bit of a a linguistic root. And I think they're very um, similar ideas, very um, related ideas. And just the idea that we were made for relationships, um, this is something that we talk a lot about at unbound. Um, and that as, um, people made in the image of God, that we are, um, relational beings and that, um, you know, community is important and you can obviously have community, uh, with people who are hundreds of miles away. And I think the unbound community is an awesome, awesome example of that. Um, but there's also a level of communication that is physical, um, body language, tone of voice, all these different things um, that you really lose when you are not in person with somebody. And so um, just being able to be embedded in a local group of people where you have local relationships, where you're able to see each other in person face to face on a regular basis, I think is super important um, just from a relational um, kind of perspective in addition to everything that Jonathan has said, which I, which I agree with.
4: Yeah. And just tagging off of that, Jace, you mentioned the importance of relationships um and community. And one of the things I think that we've lost as local community has become less and less central to kind of the typical Western young adult um, is we have this earnest desire to be known and to be real and all this. But it's very, very easy to hide if you're not embedded in a local community. And if your primary communities are online or long distance, it's very easy to project whatever kind of persona, whatever kind of life you want to be living there contrasted with if you're really embedded in a local community, there's only so long you can hide uh, before your true colors actually start coming out. So kind of an interesting thing, we may dig into that some more later here, but I think that's one of the reasons why it matters so much and something that we have lost a lot in the last, um, honestly, last few decades probably, but you can definitely see it um, even more strongly in the last few years as well.
2: I think there's a proximity principle that comes into play here as well, uh, in the sense that, I think there's this feeling of hopelessness That pervades a lot of society today. And I I just would think like right now, um, if you are just just barely keeping up with the news at the time of this recording, uh, clearly tensions continue to be really sky high with Ukraine. And um, at the time we're recording this, uh, Russia has been shelling Kyiv or Kiev, depending on how you're supposed to pronounce that, and uh, causing all kinds of problems there. Uh, You know, there's still some really deep concerns about China and the way they treat ethnic minorities and some of the things that are happening in that part of the world. As we're recording this, Iran is still very unstable following the uh, execution of uh, a young lady who had Worn the headscarf incorrectly, and the morality police there in Iran arrested her, and she died in custody. And there's big uh, protests going on about that. And then we could just keep going and listing them down. And so you, what happens is that you know if if you're a person that cares about fellow people, you hear those things, and there's just this this boil inside where you really, really feel like you want to do something. And then, you know, we kind of mock people that put hashtag save something or, you know, whatever the social movement is, because we know deep down inside that doesn't really do anything, that that that's very that's very much a virtue signal. And and to me, one of the things that's being robbed there is this reality that there is a proximity principle that we are not God and we ought not to act like God. And that means that we ought not to have expectations that we can fix things like God. And that God puts us in time and space and place for a reason. And it's in that, that time and place and space that we do our work. And so for me, I think about this in terms of, you know, I'm married and, and, and marriage is a bunch of things. This isn't a show about marriage. But yet one of the things that I think people misunderstand about marriage is it's the closest proximity you can have to somebody. It is the most intimate relationship you can have. And so therefore you see your sin reflected quickly and, and, and the other, when you cause p- pain. And, and so my first duty is to take care of my wife and that together we attempt to serve Christ as best we can. And so, you know, when I'm looking to save the world, the first thing I can do is, am I taking care of Kara? And then the next thing I ask is the next thing I should do is like, am I taking care of my children? Because they are the next closest people to me. And then going out from there, am I taking care of my neighbors? And then there's a couple of different ways we can look at this. You know, am I taking care of the people that I work with, uh, my colleagues and and, and people at Unbound? Am I taking care of the people we serve through Unbound? Am I taking care of the people in my local church? Am I taking care of the people that literally live beside me? And the closer those people are in terms of relationship and actual physical proximity, the more chance I have to be an impact to make a difference in their life and the more responsibility I have for them. And therein lies what I think is really important about local community. You have the most responsibility and the most opportunity to make a difference with the people that you're physically closest to. And when we ignore those people and instead focus on people that are very, very far removed from us, our ability to have an impact falls off dramatically. And then our hopelessness rises as we realize that, you know, the frustration of, you know, wanting to help people in China and not being able to do anything except for possibly sign a check or, you know, click like on some sort of social media posts. That's very different than actually going out and shoveling your neighbor's driveway which has an immediate you know, impact.
1: So that's, that's a really interesting uh, way of putting it. I'd never heard that, uh, that concept of uh, proximity explained like that. Uh, one thing that you hit on there, uh, do you think that uh, a sense of local community specifically or the sense of proximity is directly tied to a responsibility and an accountability to that community? Are, are those two linked
2: inherently? Yeah, I think absolutely. I, th- I think from a faith perspective, you know, when God says, love your neighbor, and they ask, you know, who's my neighbor? And, and he basically says, "Why?" Well, I think Christians sometimes take the meaning, like, everybody's my neighbor. Uh, well, that, that's true to some extent, right? Anybody that's made in the image of God, I certainly can get on board with that. Uh, but there is this idea that your neighbor are the people that you actually impact that are close by. And so, David, I would answer that as, a, as an overwhelming affirmative. Yes, I mean, I, I have responsibility for the people closest to me. Uh, and that responsibility is that I need to serve them first. And I, and I think that helps me order my life, right? If, if I am spending all of my time, uh, worrying and crying for people on the other side of the world, that looks virtuous, but practically means nothing. And that's okay if I'm called to help that particular group of people. Um, but not if in doing so, I am ignoring the people that are right beside me. Uh, and, and I, I just think that you know we can say that as a responsibility and that's an exciting i mean that's a good thing to think about but there's also an exciting thing to think about right when i get frustrated about politics i can do very little about what happens in dc and for the federal level as a citizen of the united states i can do a whole lot about what happens in augusta county virginia which is where i live Uh, I actually know my state representative, and I see him on a regular basis. I know uh, the people that sit on the board of supervisors from my county, and I see them on a regular basis. I have conversations with them, and I know who they are. And you know that that's a whole different set of situations than some politician that I sometimes see on TV and might get really frustrated with, or might really like, depending on my position and his positions or her positions. Um, And so there's this proximity. She's like, well here i can do something if, if i'm uh, concerned about something there are things i can actually do conversations i can have people i can meet with uh actions i can take that make a difference in my community and, and that's true for politics but it's even more true for things that are not political right you know when i when i run a business in my community it benefits my community because i generate revenue uh when i help people in my community it benefits people that i see uh when i you know, contribute to charities and serve on organizations, community organizations, my community, it benefits problems that uh, impact all of us and the way we live every single day in our community.
4: Just to hit that from a slightly different angle, Jonathan, one, one thing that I think is important to note about that is you talked about, you know, a person might be called to serve a different people group, might be called to do that, but almost always what happens when that's the case is they go become local. And so they may, you know, feel called to the other side of the world, but then they're going to go and be local on the other side of the world. And they might be doing business, but they're going to be doing that in that community on the other side of the world. And so they're still they're becoming local, um, just in that new region. And so kind of an interesting spin on that. Lo- local seems to be embedded in the heart of of making change in an area, and that's true for our hearts as well as you know a people group we might be trying to serve or a, a direct neighbor might be trying to serve as well. But it almost always has that element of becoming local um, to impact us as much as them.
3: It seems like also these days, like you were saying, Jonathan, with the, you know, your hashtags or your, you know, liking a campaign or whatever, um, on social media where there's this desire to fix a faraway problem without getting local, um, without being local to the problem. Um, and it's very much kind of what you were saying, Victoria. Um, there's a little bit of a flip flop there. But going back to something you said earlier, Jonathan, you said that, you know, a lot of the issues that we're facing as a society right now have to do with kind of this loss of identity. And, um, you know, you kind of proposed that at least part of that went back to kind of this erosion of local community. Um, and I was wondering if you could kind of expound on that a little bit, um, share a little bit more about maybe what kind of an identity local community brings. Um, and then kind of the process of, of how we've lost that in our society and maybe what some of the the consequences have been.
2: Yeah, definitely circle around to that. Before I do that though, uh, Victoria, I'd say that, you know, you have kind of an interesting family example of this, right? Uh, you had a sister that just recently was serving in Ethiopia, uh, working on an orphanage there. And so she was serving with somebody else that we know, uh, the sister of somebody else that we work with. And, uh, so these people we knew very well and we really followed closely what they were doing in Ethiopia. And while they were actually at the orphanage in Ethiopia, that was their full-time concern. I mean, there was nothing else that they were really – they had no time to think about anything else. They were taking care of a bunch of children and serving in a very, very intense way. And it was obviously very influential in their lives and the lives of the children they served. Uh, They've since come back from Ethiopia. And, And here's the thing that's kind of hard but important. They've come back from Ethiopia, and that's not their primary community. Now, they continue to serve that community in interesting ways, uh, including in taking a trip back here in a couple of weeks that that I think Victoria, you're going on. And so there's an ongoing relationship there. But but you know, in order for them to continue to function, they have to shift. They have to say they have to change to serving their community here. But the way they serve their community here will forever and always be impacted by what they did there, right? And so it's not that they're ignoring the people that they served and live with. It's just that the reality of the situation is that, you know, you serve best the people that are right in front of you even, and, and then you take what you've learned from that, and go to the places. So anyhow, interesting distinction, while there are great benefits derived from living locally one place for a long time. And I'm actually an advocate of that if nothing else, because it tends to get overlooked. I'm only an advocate in the sense that we should pay attention to that potential advantage, not in the sense that it's the only way to do things. Um, and in this situation, you know, no matter where you are, what you learn from being local, uh will then inform you and guide you and direct you as you become local someplace else in fact you change locations so to your question though Jace uh, you sort of were just pointing at some of the things that we can say like why is local change and uh, one of the things that I find fascinating and both somewhat horrifying is that you know Alexis de Tocqueville was a French uh traveler and writer who traveled to the United States not long after the country was formed And he wrote some really interesting observations about the American people that are still considered to be kind of sociological benchmarks in terms of seeing what early American society looked like. And one of the things that Tocqueville talked about that was really fascinating was that he said that uh, Americans are joiners in a way that no other culture society uh, before or after Tocqueville's experience uh, did. And so, uh, in other words, what happened was that if Americans had a problem, they would serve a civic, they would form a civic organization in a group to deal with that problem. So they would form groups that would take care of uh, social problems in the area. They would form groups that would do recreational things together. They would form groups to fellowship together. And de Tocqueville said that this was somewhat unusual. And he called this uh, phenomenon, uh, the, the sing- one of the singular reasons that America was so successful was because, and he had an actual term for it that I can't think of right now, it was a third something or another, I want to say third column, but that's a totally different sociological problem that we, <laughs> that was not what I was talking about. Um, but anyhow, basically a third level of society that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a personal and it wasn't the government, but then there was this intermediary institution. Maybe you call them intermediary institutions that, that kind of solved a lot of society's pro- problems. And I think that's a pretty fascinating and accurate example. What's then to Jace, to your question. What's then very interesting is if we look at society today and say, how many, are, are we growing more or less intermediary institutions? And the answer has got to be, we're growing substantially less. Uh, the scouting movement, Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts is just hemorrhaging members right, left and center um, in terms of just, you know, way, way smaller than it used to be. If you drive around your town, you know, there used to be a Roar Tens and an Elks Club and a Lions Club and a Woodmen of the World and a very active VFW League and a Rotary Club and, um, you know, and the list could go, uh, maybe the, the Mason Society and the list could go on and on. And I would suggest to you that if you drive around today, you will find very few of those buildings left and the buildings that are there are very, very empty and, ver- and full of a lot of senior citizens. And uh, so, you know, there's a, a work called Bowling Alone uh, that talks about the decline of bowling leagues and sports leagues. Uh, what was, do you know anybody that's involved in a bridge club? Your grandparents almost certainly were involved in some sort of club related to an interest. But how many people do you know are part of a hunting club, a bridge club, a, um, any, any kind of civic organization like that? How much civic uh, groups in your area have a community theater or uh, you know, what, does your neighborhood have a Fourth of July party? All those kinds of things. Now, the answer is yes to some of those places, and there are certainly parts of the country where there's more of those than others. But in general, on a macro scale, all of those are in significant decline. And when you see those kinds of intermediary institutions declining, you're seeing the lack of opportunity for people to connect face-to-face. And as you see a lack of the opportunity for those people to connect face-to-face, you see a decline of local community. And then I would argue by extension, when you see a decline of local community, you see an increase in antagonism as people are constantly fighting the fictional other that they can project all of their dislikes and upsetness onto, and they don't actually have to see if it's true or not. Uh, You know, the, the person on TV that you love to hate can be all the things that you hate and you never have to examine whether in fact he or she lives up to that reputation.
0: Hello, HM here, taking a quick break from the episode to tell you about a new initiative, a new subscription service from Unbound that might be interesting to you if you're looking to practically expand your knowledge and ways you can build your community. Unbound Cohorts is a monthly discussion about a relevant book or a topic that helps young people learn and grow together in their everyday lives. It provides training, resources, and hopes to take what you are learning to a next level by engaging you with different uh, other resources and discussion groups and things like that. This is a subscription service. If you're interested, please go visit beunbound.us slash cohorts. Again, that's bnbound.us
1: slash cohorts. Now, back to the episode. Yeah. So I think naturally the question that then comes out of that is that if we've seen such a decline in these organizations that are so fundamental and that have made such a big difference in uh, in our culture and in our lives, if we're seeing such a decline in that and we want to see those make a return, uh, especially if there are young people who are listening to this who want to see that happen but have no idea how that would work, how they would be able to do that, where do you start with building a local
2: community?
4: Hmm. That's a good question, David. I've I know I've been in A number of different situations where I've asked myself that same question. It's not something that comes super naturally or super easily to me. And so, kind of speaking from that perspective, it's required me to take a greater level of ownership over that process than I maybe would have thought that I did. I grew up in a place where there was just a a deeper sense of community. There were more opportunities. I grew up in a family with a lot of extroverted siblings. There were opportunities all over the place. And so, when I found myself outside of that situation and lacking those external things. I realized that in order to have any kind of community, I had to be intentional about it. And so that's you know just one angle of, of a multifaceted, complex um, conversation. But one of those angles is choosing to be intentional about it and choosing to reach out and find places where you can connect with other people, even if they're very different from you. And finding places where you can have similarity, finding places where you can serve, I think, is a huge thing. Um, shared service does a lot to foster community and a sense of community. And so finding opportunities to do that, even in small ways, I think, can be a very solid place just to begin that process.
2: Jace, you've got an interesting situation where, you know, from my perspective, you've moved into a new community and then you've really embedded into local community. But at a couple of different levels, you've joined some things and you've started some things. So I don't know if you can speak to a little bit of your experience there.
3: Yeah, I will say that, um, like Victoria, this is something that I, I wouldn't consider to be a, a super strong skill of mine. So this is something that I'm definitely in the learning phase of, um, and trying to grow better at this. I think what's been helpful for me has been, um, being willing to get involved or to, like you mentioned, uh, did Tocqueville talks about Americans joining things. Um, and that hasn't always looked like a formal joining of an organization or an institution or anything like that, but just a willingness to, um, be involved and do things. Um, I remember when I moved here to, to this area of the country, you know, had a couple other friends, um, who kind of moved at the same time and just the willingness to kind of go and, and do things with them, were at your house, Jonathan, and, you know, had some gatherings there and continued to invite people. And, and so having something structured like that to gather around was helpful. And I think in many ways, um, in some ways, at least, um, some of those gatherings kind of did become a institution or an organization, not in a formal sense of like an entity, but they kind of Took, uh, that role of an intermediary, uh, institution, if you want to call it that, where, um, we weren't getting together because we had to, and it wasn't necessarily a one-on-one, you know, relationship. So I think it wasn't quite a governmental relationship or community, but it also wasn't really a personal community in the sense that everything was up to you and, um, as, you know, as an individual, it, it took a, took on a life kind of, of its own that was larger than just any of the individuals involved. Um, so anyway, I say, say all that to say that I think um, as somebody who was trying to learn how to get involved in the local community, someone who was coming from an area of the country where I didn't have that um, growing growing up in high school, um, at least not to this extent, I think that was really important to just get involved, to be willing to try things out, to go – do things with other people, um, to, uh, you know, live with a couple of other guys as my roommates to join them in the activities that they were doing, um, join them in, you know, church activities. If they were going to an activity at their church, you know, being willing to join them in that, even if I didn't necessarily go to that church or, um, anything like that. So I don't know how hopeful that is. I'm like I said, I'm still, still in the process of figuring that out and, and growing into that, leaning into that. But hopefully that is helpful for anyone listening out there. Who's, who's kind of in that place of, you know, I've showed up, um, and I know there's opportunities around me, but how do I, how do I get involved?
2: Thanks, Jace. It's been fun to to watch you come in from another community where you were involved and then become involved in, in the community around here. And, uh, from my perspective, that has involved you, that has included you, joining certain things, but also starting certain things, you know, hosting things at your house and stuff. And, and there's an important point there that I want to kind of elevate here. First, I think it's important not to think that there is some sort of magic formula, uh, that you know there's some sort of key to this. Uh, if you're willing to ask the question and you're willing to say, hey, local community is important, and you're willing to keep repeating that, then you're going to find ways to build local community. Uh, we had uh, somebody, oh, I just forgot his name. Who was the speaker that we had a year or so ago that wrote The Art of Neighbor, uh, Being a Neighbor? Um, Dave Runyon, I think it's Dave, Dave Runyon, Art of Neighboring, I believe is the book. Uh, he was a speaker at several of our events for our students, did an absolutely fina- fantastic job. And he talked about just knowing uh, the names of the people that were contiguous to where you lived. Uh, that sounds really simple. And yet he pointed out that most people can't do that. Uh, and so, you know, just something just very simple like that is can cause some really interesting things. But I would say that there's a uh, a couple of things we can just break this down to in a little bit. Uh, Jason and I were actually having this conversation, not on a podcast, uh, two Fridays ago at a, at a location close to where we live, where we meet with a group of people that is not a, a formal group. And uh, in the process, we were talking to our local state representative and some other people in the county, and we were having a conversation. And then we were kind of comparing notes afterwards. And Jay said something that I thought was actually quite profound uh, that he didn't bring up, so I'm going to credit to him, bring up for him. Uh, But he said that he's willing to get involved, or maybe I don't know if he's willing, it's easiest to get involved in two levels of local community. The first is the one that is effortless, meaning that I don't have to have a long-term commitment. I'm just sort of showing up. And the second is one that makes a difference. And so that's pretty interesting to think of in terms of how you would approach local community, right? Uh, One of those, the effortless parts, is often in location. So the place where we're meeting is a local farmers market called Valley Pike Farmers Market and it has a uh a deli in there and a coffee shop and some meeting space and we are frequently there for meetings and for hanging out and to meet people and things like that. That is an effortless type of local community. In other words, it doesn't re- involve a long-term commitment for me to go and buy an iced tea and sit at a table at Valley Pike. But if I do that repetitively, and especially in this case, if I do it on Friday mornings, then I start to meet people again and again, and I get to see them and build relationships. And so that's an important part of it. And then there's a part of being involved in a community that you know is in something bigger than yourself that you think is worthwhile. So in terms of like a local congregation, I'm involved in local congregation, and it takes a lot of time, treasure, and effort. Uh, to be involved in that, but it's something that is worth it to me because I think that the payoff is, is really significant and really important. And so sometimes thinking about, you know, what are you willing to sacrifice for? And then what are your effortless things? And I would even break that in further into like three levels. There is a level of if you're willing to go to local community stuff repetitively, you're going to start recognizing people and seeing people and don't underestimate how much it makes you feel at home when you know the person you buy milk from or you know the person you buy gas from or, you know, and and you may not have anything beyond that first level just, but that is a part of the local fabric. Now, you know, you're a known entity at the Valley Pike Farmers Market. They know that I come and buy a lot of milk every Friday morning. And, uh, you know, my daughter went to work there and they said, oh, your dad's the milk guy. And so it kind of is funny because, you know, I have a big family. So I buy a lot of milk and they sell milk and I normally buy everything they have on Friday mornings. And so that sounds a little comical, but yet there's a place, there's a, there's a location. I'm known. I have a value. I, I pay money for milk. People sell it to me, but then we joke around and talk at as I check out and, and all those things. The second level is people that you meet through places like that. And you develop a relationship, like you know, with your name and you have some cursory stuff. So, you know, you may have people you work with that you're not necessarily bosom buddies, uh, but you know more about them than average and you spend some time with them and things like that. And then the third level is people that are really in your intimate circle, the people that you care about. And, you know, you're deeply involved in their lives. A good local community will have all three, you know, you will go to a location and you will know the people there and they will recognize you. Uh, Some of those people you'll know well because you've seen them for years and you'll know the names of their kids and the name of their dog. And, and you'll, you know, and, and you might even in certain cases help them out if they have a problem. And then the third level are people that, you know, will come pick you up when your car breaks down uh, because they have that kind of deep interaction with them. And so kind of even just knowing those three levels exist and aiming for it can be a big difference in sort of, you know, getting involved in local community, and then one last final thing: I mentioned that these local community organizations are dying. If you're a young person and you absolutely want to be involved in local community, if you went down to local Rortans, attended four meetings in a row, and expressed an interest to help, uh, my prediction is almost anywhere in the com- country you'd be given the keys to the kingdom. In a very short order, right? <laughs> in other words, uh, the fact that you would be younger than fifty and interested in the organization would mean that you would have a set of mentors and people with deep community connections who would bend over backwards to listen to you, help you, mentor you, and give you resources. Uh, so that's just a, a an interesting thing to keep in mind. That if you if you really want to be serious about getting involved in your local community, uh, showing up at any of the traditional Local community organizations, and being eager, polite, respectful, and willing to help uh, is likely to open doors that you would find unbelievable.
3: When we want to talk about the unfair advantage, and we've talked about this in other podcasts and just at Unbound in general, that you know if you can show up to a job and actually show up on time and put in you know full shifts of work and um, and all that kind of stuff that you're going to really stand out and advance um, most likely. And I think the same thing kind of applies here because there's a lot of people who are, um, they have what we're talking about right now. They have a local community. They have a, um, a, a sense of belonging to their area. They know people. Um, they, they go down to the local store and they, you know, know the people that they see, whether they know them deeply or not, you know, but they have that kind of, local community. And most of these people are, like you said, Jonathan, older, um, folks who just, this is the way local community is, ha, this is the way they grew up. Right. And so I think there's a lot of those people who really desire to have young people to pass that down to. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of a sad thing to say, but, but the, the bar is really low here, right? Like there's not scores and scores, uh, hundreds of hundreds of young people that they can choose to mentor who are, you know, really, really trying to get that from them. And so, um, like you said, just, it's just the bare minimum, you know, (laughs) that sounds bad when I say it, but like just being willing to show up and be involved, you're not going to have to write an essay or do a service project all on your own or, you know, do anything massive to get in, so to speak. But, you know, it's really a matter of showing up and being willing to learn and being willing to, um, apply what they are willing to teach you. And I think there's a lot of benefits to that kind of a
1: community. So I had, uh, one more question in mind before we wrap up this talk here. And, uh, that is, I think you all have done, uh, an excellent job of communicating the, the value and, uh, of a local community and some of the ways that uh, you can start it. But one potential thing that I can see happening that um, especially for those who might be young people listening is that if they're in a community where uh, there are not a lot of other people their age or if there are some and they don't see necessarily right at first the value of a local community. Uh, it can be really discouraging and it can be really challenging to try to develop a community when there really aren't other people your age to do it alongside of. And so what would you say to a young person who's in that kind of a situation?
2: I would start by saying that don't limit yourself to people your age. So, you know, it, it, it would be tough in another 40 years or another 20 years, maybe another 15 years, it's going to be tough to find old community organizations. But right now, um, there's still a lot of Roratans and Lions Club and Rotary clubs and things like that out there that are dying, but still have people in them. And so, don't underestimate the power of knowing people that are not your age. Uh, now, I know you know that, David. And so, you're also asking it from a, 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 another standpoint, which is, you know, how do I find peers and things? Um, I would say that first of all you'd be surprised what happens when you start to look and you start to say this is a priority for me i'm going to try to create something uh so keep your eyes open see where you can uh reach people if you've got no level three start with level one right you know show up at the same places for a while and strike up conversations with people and start to build those relationships um we would all i think agree that all this starts at a local church so you know Priority number one would be finding a church that you can be active in and then seeing maximizing your ability to serve and connect with people there before you look any further for things to do. And that may be all that you need. And then um, I think the, the final thing here is uh, be willing to provide a place. Sometimes the effortless part of community is what's needed, just a place that I can go and I don't have to have a formal organization around it. And so just be willing to open up uh, your home uh, so most of us here have done that. Jace opens up his home for a Bible study. Um, I have folks come to my home on Thursday nights. Victoria's frequently had people come to her house and hosted people and things like that. Um, you know, and and none of us are sitting on super high-class mansions, <laughs> you know, and none none of us are really uh rolling in 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 huge amounts of of guest rooms and things like that. And and sometimes it's just being willing to say, Yeah, come to my place. Yeah, go ahead and put your feet up on the couch and yeah, don't worry about the fact that you track some mud in, and then that's where level one stuff moves to level two, that before you know it, you got a bunch of level three folks that, that you really are sharing life with.
3: I would add to that, Jonathan, that I think sometimes we think, okay, well, it's either local community or community on the internet. <laughs> and those are my two options. And I think there's a great way to take advantage of the advan- take advantage of the advantages of the internet and at the same time not miss, not lose the uh, priority of, of local community. And so this is something that we really value and prize at Unbound is the fact that our students can have a really strong community of peers that scope the entire nation. Um, and at the same time that they're still able to um, remain plugged into their local communities. And so just that idea of, you know, maybe you don't have a lot of peers or like-minded peers your age um, in your local area. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that your one shot at local community is gone forever, there are a lot more opportunity for that um than you know, than you might think. And it may be just that you have to get creative about how do I connect with with some peers in, in another format or in another another way, maybe using um the internet or something like that, um, or a long distance kind of connection.
1: All very excellent points uh, from all three of you. And so uh, in closing to uh, summarize at least what I have gotten out of this conversation and hopefully those who are listening have as well is that the local community, just having people who you are in Proximity with is really important because not only are you seeing those people, are you interacting with those people in the same environments, but there's a certain level of buy in, a certain level of responsibility that you're able to have, uh, especially if you are approaching it from a biblical worldview, where those that you are caring for around you are those who are going to be the most immediate there that you can be there to serve, that you can meet the uh you can meet the call that God has given to all of us to serve one another uh, and just the people that are right around us. And we can very easily get distracted by some of the bigger, larger scale problems that are at play. But in reality, some of the most impactful kingdom work that we can do is uh, right here at home. And Unfortunately, that's been lost a lot to uh, just a variety of different factors. uh, Some including the internet and uh, just different. Uh, sort of, uh, decentralizations. But what, uh, we ultimately get to do, especially if you are a young person, is to look for opportunities where you can simply be present and get involved, show up and just f- create community on your own. It's, uh, it might sound very intimidating off the, off the start, but ultimately it's, Creating local community is just as simple as knowing the people who are around you and finding opportunities to care for them and giving them the opportunity to care for you as well. Well, guys, first off, thank you for listening. Thank you for
0: joining us for this conversation. I hope that this is a practical call to action, as you just heard with the summary and all those things, that... This will encourage you to go invest in your local community. It is not easy. It takes time and a lot of effort. (laughs) Um, But truly, uh, this is something that is very important and worth it. Just to send you out there to continue to grow and allow
1: God to grow you through community. So thank you all very much for joining us for this episode of Unbound Talks. Uh, Please join us next week for our uh, upcoming episode. We have an episode of Unbound Pursuits, where we sit down with students who have uh, all pursued a particular career field that are alumni from the Unbound community. And so next week, we are going to be sitting down with uh, people who are very, very excellent at making things, uh, specifically those who are in construction and carpet industries. So uh, if you're interested at all in that topic and hearing from some students uh, in that field, then make sure to join us next week. So once again, thank you so much for listening. And as always, be unbound.